What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast for your Thanksgiving weekend. I'm John Manuel. He's J.J. Cooper. Just uh, finishing an issue of the magazine, so we'll probably get interrupted with a page here or there. It's possible. Yeah. You'll get to hear how this works. That's right. You'll get to hear the magic happen of a print magazine in 2015, baby. And a digital edition. Digital edition books. Good grief, man. This time of year, we really feel it. And I say good grief in honor of the uh, Peanuts movie. My kids saw that today. <laughs> JJ, speaking of good grief and the print edition of the magazine, heavy hearts for us at Baseball America today, Josh Leventhal, last day at the office. I don't know that Josh ever made his way onto a podcast. Josh covered the minor leagues from the business point of view. He uh, and, and he and shepherded I, the the magazine, the correct. print magazine, through the process every two weeks. He was extremely focused on the print edition of the magazine, and I would like to say, I would say he made the trains run on time. But that has fascist connotations, and in this time and place, I don't want to make light of those. So um, but we're really gonna miss Josh. And I would encourage you to go through, you get a little glimpse of Josh of what made him so much fun to work with. If you go through the BA Today archives and find the one that Josh did, he's only did one. It's probably the best one we did. It was a little long. Nobody else winked at the camera <laughs> like Josh did. Uh, it's one of the things that made him fun to work with. Great sense of humor, professional. We're just going to miss him. So uh, we've had a lot of turnover here over the years. JJ and I are not part of that. <laughs> we have deep roots. Deep roots, sir. We've been here since the first podcast, which we recorded in 2006 in JJ's church as he was the sound guy, and me and Will spent half the time talking about how neat podcasts are, and the other half talking about Project Runway. Yes. So the BA podcast has changed, and a big part of that is because of you guys, our listeners are hardcore. Our podcasts are often very hardcore, so... Um, we hope you enjoy this is we're going to talk rule five. So that, that's where I'm if going. If you don't like a hardcore podcast, you know, well, that's first it. I'm going to do the history of the rule five. So uh, <laughs> if you do not want the history of the rule five, really forward sh- ahead to one hour and 42 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> and I should be back. John will be back and we'll be talking. No, we're not going to. You should be the guest on that dude's five hour history podcast. 
That's what you should Hardcore do. Hardcore history? Yeah. yeah you should. I, I, I don't think he's ever done the Rule 5 draft. It's still available. I'm saying it's there to talk about. I bet you'd have more downloads than the Genghis Khan ones. No, no. The Genghis Khan ones are quite good. I love those. Yeah, but they're like six of them, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so 30 hours of Genghis Khan. Um, we're not going to give you 30 well, hours of Rule 5. Genghis, Kubla. I mean, there was a lot of Khan. The Khan. Uh, I forget Khan's first name. Ricardo Montalban Khan. Yeah. Um, JJ, you kind of had, uh, you, you, I literally got the fever and I'm still, um, suffering under a bit, but, um, Friday was 40 man roster ad day. And, uh, this week has, which has led to rule five fever. And, um, just to go back as we were reminiscing with Josh over his nine years here at BA, uh, one of the fun parts was. Our impressions of Alan Matthews back in the day when he was here calling teams this week. I desperately <laughs> need your rule, your forty-man roster. I desperately need a copy of your forty-man roster because we back to, when you had when we would get them faxed half the time. That's right. Not just we, if you got them by email, it was a win. Correct. This is so two of my all-time favorite stories. One of them is I desperately need a copy of your forty-man roster because Alan always left that to the last minute. And number two was this newfangled email thing when this the Red Sox hired 28-year-old general manager so Theo Epstein. This was the 40-man roster deadline so in 2002. Because yeah. it included Ryan Roop on their 40-man roster. But the Red Sox sent us a roster with only 28 players. And I emailed back and said, hey, I just want to make sure. Actually, I think they faxed their roster. They faxed it, yes. And I emailed and said, just want to make sure this is the final roster because it only has 28 guys. And Theo's immediate reply was, who needs 40? <laughs> it was, it was uh, so for some teams and some stages of development, year, JJ. The Pirates in 37, and we went, we, we want to make sure, is this your full? Who needs 40? Well, we're going to have five That's of the it. first six picks taken in the Rule 5 draft. And one of them will turn into Jose Batista. You know, they weren't all, some of them had some success, some of Chris them Shelton, didn't. That's right. Jeff so, Bennett. Yeah, so some of them stuck around the big leagues a while. Some of them did not. But one of them became Jose Batista. Frank uh, Brooks was one that did not. Brooks. That's right. But, so, so, but one, of them, one of them became a super duper star. And the best about bat years, flip about eight years later. But the best bat flip, well, five years later, right. became a big, a good big league player. And then ten years later, he had the best bat flip in major league history. So, yes. Well, I will say Tom Lawless, eighty-five, uh, and, uh, eighty-seven, the key eighty-seven. Thing there is that you said major league history because if we say world history, right? Uh, Non-Korean, non-Korean in category. And there got to be some in Cuba that I'm sure Ben Badler. You know, I can't believe Ben hasn't like unleashed the hounds from his desktop at home in Boston. With the Cuban bat flip dot move, you know <laughs> that has to be a file somewhere, you know. But that said, Ben's like our listeners; he's probably so hardcore that he probably like could rattle them off for you, but he probably doesn't have the file. Um, but the point is that Friday became a uh, it was a hectic and fun day, JJ. It's a great file. If uh, a lot of people already have found it, uh, so it's a neat day for those players, JJ. Because one of the it's huge one of the last stories Josh just wrote is about uh, the financial problems in the minor leagues and major minor league operators wrestling with they know that the players probably should make more money but they don't want their entire way of life completely turned over which could happen with this lawsuit hopefully there is a compromise down the line where minor league players make more money and the minor and minor league teams aren't necessarily on the hook for it especially when you see the big league pie is nine and a half billion dollars and the players revenue is about 43 percent if you just jack that up to 50 percent with just a couple of that going to the minor leagues, that'd be a giant raise for a lot of minor league players. The giant biggest, raise. The biggest raise the minor league players can really get before they get to the big leagues is being on the 40-man roster. Absolutely. So, that, so that day Friday, that was life-changing for a lot of these guys. Well, for a couple reasons. One, 
One thing about it, and I don't care what organization you're in. I don't care if you're in an organization that does an exceptional job of letting you know where you stand all along the way, all that. There is something to be said about that day that you are, for the first time, because reality is, is that before that, before you hit year four as a college draftee, the end of year four effectively, and year five as a high school or international signee, you know, again, we could get into the minutia, but that's a, a simple yep. way to ballpark it. Yep. Before that, you don't know this. You, you, you think, hey, I, you know, I think they like me. I think I'm, I'm in their future plans. When you get to that point where a team either has to say, we're protecting you on the 40-man, we're giving up a very valuable, very scarce commodity, which is a 40-man roster spot right. for you. The moment they do that, what they are saying is, is, I mean, there's two things about that. One, they are saying, we value you enough that we feel like we have to protect you from the Rule 5 draft. And, well, there's many. I'll go two. Number two on that is, is that then, at that point, it just made your life way easier to get called up to the big leagues. Because Correct. if you're already on that 40-man and there's an injury, you're the first guy. You're, if you are doing roster mechanics... And you're an organization, you're like, okay, well, we need a righty reliever to come up. Your first look at who do we have on our 40-man who could fill that role where we don't have to make a move and say go out there and DFA this guy, you know, so that we have a roster spot. Right. A lot of times got teams are full up on the 40 or put this guy in the 60-day DL, things like that. So it clears that up. And three, you said it, is the salary, like your salary even in the minors is better because you're a 40-man roster guy. Salary and health benefits. Health benefits. Drug testing benefits. <laughs> you're no longer going to be suspended for pot, Alex Reyes, because exactly. that that's not part of you if you're on the 40-man. And the other thing is, is that you get the invite, the automatic invite to big league spring training. Now, you may not, first year there, maybe you're only there for the first three, four weeks of it. Guess what big league spring training means? Big league per diems. <laughs> big league per diems, so financially. And also... It is way easier to make a positive impression on the big league staff if you're there on a day-by-day basis. Now, you can get called up for a day or two from the minors, yep. you know, as, hey, we needed a righty in the pen this today, or we, we needed need a catcher to warm up somebody. Whatever. Yes, you can be in there also. But that's a drive-by. That's you show up that day, you do it, you go back. There is the difference between that and saying, when pitchers and catchers report, or when position players report, you're there. You're there for those first couple of weeks of workouts before games ever start. Yep. You're there. You're soaking up, hopefully, knowledge from big leaguers mm-hmm. who can give you some tips as well. And also, you're getting more comfortable around these guys because you hope at some point these are going to be your teammates. You All be, these things. You may be finding out just in a week or so of being there, working, uh, being seen, but just taking BP, shagging, and finding, hey, I belong here. I, I'm in this group. I'm in this hitting group with guys who I, two years ago, I might have watched just on TV, and now I'm hitting with them. It, 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 these kind of things are, they really can change a player, and especially for some of these guys. I just think about a Wilson Contreras, JJ. That's a great example of a guy who made quantum leap for the Cubs this year, mm-hmm. Southern League batting champ, played in the Fall League. This guy was exposed to the Rule 5 for the previous four Rule 5 drafts because his contract was voided back That's in 2010. one of the things when I said that when we don't, you know, the four or five years, there yeah. are exceptions. Wilson Contreras has been one of the exceptions. He's in the Ismail Guillaume. Uh, who was the pitcher with the Brewers? Cody Scarpetta. Cody Scarpetta. A lot of these players um, who go um, through this. Matt Caesar. Matt Caesar, that's right. A lot of these players who go through this, 
And, or, have, uh, or have to be added to the 40-man very early because of that. Right, and Contreras had never quite performed. And so this year he breaks through. He goes, he plays in the Fall League. He wins the Bangtan Southern League. Finally, 40-man roster. Now this guy really, I mean, just the, the difference that this year has made for Wilson Contreras, it's really amazing. Um, he's just a completely different player. He always had athleticism, always had tools. I got questions about him earlier in the year. I had notes on him from the past, but it was always like, tools just super raw can't see him as a catcher now people do see him hey maybe and uh it's really neat so for a player like that uh to see it come through a guy you know taylor modder is another guy just been a college middle infielder but just a grinder guy basically that's right and now you're told you have just got the stamp of your season was a great season you know what you're no longer an or guy you were coming to big league spring training yeah utility player or you know he wasn't added friday but anthony garcia with the cardinals we've talked about him here a lot in the office He's intriguing. This guy was drafted in 2009, so he'd been through the Rule 5 a couple times, unprotected. 17 years old when he was drafted out of Puerto Rico. And, and This leads me to the next point, is, is that the flip side of that on Friday is, is that for every guy who gets added to the 40-man, there are five guys who are going, What? Oh. How was I not added? <laughs> right. And the thing that, that players have to remember, and it's hard to remember a lot of times, is, is that just because you weren't added to the 40-man roster... Doesn't mean that their team, I, I'm not trying to come across as basically, you know, Pravda here, but the reality is, is there's a true reality, which is that does not mean that your team does not value you. That does not mean even that they don't think you're a prospect. Part of what it means is, is that every team has to go through the calculus of, is right. this a guy we're going to lose? And what you see the most is there are, so, there are a number of guys, I promise you, you can look back at our old Rule 5 list, preview list and all, and see some of the names on there. You can see guys who've been taken in the Rule 5 draft even and then don't stick. There are always, especially when you talk about Latin players, if you sign at age 16, yeah, where you can be eligible for essentially your age 21 season in a lot of cases, there are a lot of guys who have significant talent, but a team knows there's just no way that a team is going to take this guy in the Rule 5 right. and carry him all year. And every now and then they're wrong. Oscar Hernandez last year, right. the Rays were wrong. But you know what? If you're the Rays, that's the kind of calculus that you probably make every time. Because And hey, look at the, look at Jose Batista we were just talking about before. He went through four different teams that year in 2004. That usually ruins a guy. Right, now, and usually, it did, and you could argue that it may have taken some significant time for him to recover from it. N- no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, he went through roster hell that year. And... Um, so it you know it does not help the Rule Five draft. There are very few times. This year was the best year for the this Rule was, Five draft in historic. a long time. This the it last was draft, We have ten players at least who stuck, and I have to say at least because Daniel Winkler, who had right. TJ, who did jog out there to the mound a couple times in September to make it a valid you know a roster acquisition you know addition for the Braves. He still has to get another roughly, I'd say, 65 days or whatever of service. But if he does that, we'll have 11 guys who stuck. You go back over the history. I, I use it, sounds crazy to say the modern era of Rule 5, but you go back to 2006, which is when they added an extra year for everyone for protection. Before right. 2006, it was, we talk about now 4 and 5, it used to be 3 and 4. So 06 was the Soria-Hamilton draft, correct? Right. That is. Well, ever since then, ever since then, the average year you see like three to four guys stick in an average year. So and most 10. of those guys who stick end up being very fringy. 
This year, we had two center fielders who were everyday center fielders. And that's the thing. It wasn't just like left-on-left guys or platoon guys or pinch-run guys who stuck this year. There were some actual impact players. I mean, yeah, Odubel Herrera started in center field for the Phillies. The Phillies are barely a major league team this year. Delino DeShields Jr. was the eighth overall pick in a draft who started in the second half of the year every day for a team that not just did this play and made the playoffs – he was the one of the key guys to them taking off in the second half, and at the end of the year they trade Leonis Martin uh, when the season's over he, he to so make room for him. Leonis Martin that Leonis Martin didn't even stick around to see, you know, yeah. can I get added back to this roster? No, I'm going home. I mean, I know part of Leonis Martin's the reason he was traded was that, and yeah. there was makeup issues as well, but stuff that still, we don't know about not being around the club. But, but still, that being said, that's I mean that is significant impact, and it wasn't just those guys. We saw other guys who who ended up being solid contributors. I mean, again, Sean Gilmartin, again, that's it's not a major role, but Sean Gilmartin played a role this year. Um, yeah, for a playoff team, he was a, one of their better left-handed relievers. Right. Again, and this is the key thing to miss. This is where I wanted to kind of riff off of this, which is, is that... Well, I have story. two riffs, but okay. go ahead. But I'll have... My first riff is this. Mark Cannon's other guy, I forgot, who was like a solid everyday player, albeit for a last-place team... In Oakland. But, but you know what? You're, but he was also a guy where you looked at last year's thing and you said, you know, J.J., this guy's going to get drafted and he can hit. Now, whether he can play in the big leagues defensively, I don't know. But I remember saying to you, like, last year. Like, oh, we felt very comfortable about him. Yeah, there was like, no taken. way this guy's not going to get taken by somebody. And the thing is, this year's Rule 5 class, there was no Mark Canna. Not that I could see. Not a guy who already had success at the AAA level offensively. Balbino. There is one. Balbino's double-A. He's close. But he was a triple-A. He was a triple-A. He right. was a triple-A. He hit 340 in triple-A before he tore his out ACL. It does tell you how much, how good last year's Last year's, and this, class this year's was. Rule 5 class is not, and I, I think that you could say that partly because, look, last year was a historic prospect class. At period. All, period. There was depth. There was impact. There was all that. A lot, a lot, a lot of that has graduated this year's top 100 prospects, which no one for this Rule 5 we're talking about is going to be in the top 100, but right. this year's top 100 is not going to be as good as last year's. We feel quite confident in saying that. I mean, there's just no doubt to me about that. And, but you do look at it and you say, it, the best way to get, if you're a team, if you're picking for the Rule 5, teams did a very good job this year because they found guys yeah. who fit and the key thing with this is, is that I do think, it's my personal opinion, and I hope to write this before the Rule 5 if I can find time while, not, while writing up top 30 guys you know, for the handbook, but I do think that one of the key things is, is that don't draft for the Rule 5 thinking this guy's great and he's going to be great in five years for us. That so rarely works. Again, the best examples you can find of that is, is you could try, and this is going back to the old system, but you could try to shoehorn Johan Santana, who admittedly had only played in, in low A. Right. But Johan Santana was a guy who even then the twins could say, no, you see his pitches, he can go in and he can do something for us out of the pen. Right. So, And, th- and that is the thing. Even the evolution of the bullpen makes it harder to do that because Johan Santana like was a long reliever the next right. year. And, and as we've talked about, those are very hard to find. There's the occasional Anthony Swarzak or Josh Colmenter, but most teams do not use a, a one guy to come in and be your quote-unquote mop-up guy who pitches right. 80, 80 
very low leverage innings all the whole now season. Now that the the rule five equivalent of that is is that you become now the fifth inning guy. Right. That you're a sporadic fifth inning guy, and you are used in lower leverage situations. But even then, like again, I've got a couple, and he will make the preview. We got the rule five previews up at Baseball America. There's There'll four, be a more refined. There's preview. 46 players now. I'm sure it'll end up at least at 75 players before I'm done because <laughs> that's just what I do with this. But but Dwight Smith, I've got a question about Dwight Smith. Dwight Smith, I understand why I'm getting questions about Dwight Smith. If you look at it, first Blue of all, Jays, he's a big name, big name, Dwight Smith Jr. Yes, his, you know that dad, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was it was someone that we remember playing. Correct. But, uh, but Dwight Smith Jr., Blue Jays outfielder, has a pretty solid track record of hitting. But my the reason I didn't put him in the first wave because at some point I had to stop writing so that y'all could read it was Dwight Smith though does not fit the normal roster construction that you end up with this, which is is that it is very hard for a pure outfielder who is just a corner and really more a left, left than a, fielder, right. yeah. a left fielder. It's very hard for a left fielder to stick in the Rule 5 draft. Well, why is that? Very few, again, it happened this year of Herrera and DeShields, but very few Rule 5 picks are, posit- are put into the starting lineup, basically, to start the season. That just... Josh yeah. Hamilton is the odd case right. of that. And even he didn't play every day for the Reds his first right. year. But More injuries than anything else. Right. But yes. But you take that out of it. So what do you have to do? Okay, so you're going to be, normally you're going to be a fourth outfielder, or if your team is you know, crazy and, and carries more than like three backups, you may be a fifth outfielder. Right. Or like, you know, like the, uh, the Phillies, when they were good, had the Mike Martinez kid. Right. And Mike Martinez was a, a Swiss Army Knife player. Right. You can play... That's not Dwight Smith. That's why Odubel Herrera, you could draft him or exactly. Dwight Shields. Because with those guys, you say, if they can play center, we can put them anywhere in the outfield. And you can carry that guy as a fourth outfielder and say, we think the bat should be enough to do that. He could be our fourth outfielder. But Dwight Smith is really... like It's interesting that that's a guy that you've gotten emails about because... Uh, Dwight Smith is ordinary as ordinary gets. I'm not right, trying to knock the, the guy. But that's the other no, thing. There's is nothing the that stands out. There's no. He can't be Terrence Gore. He can't be Odubel Herrera. He doesn't have a plus on the card. For and me. that's and that's to me again the problem with this is that you you really have to look at it. The the most successful Rule Five picks year after year to me are guys who you say this is the role they can fit. And really most of the time what that comes back to is it's less the guy who has a well-rounded range of tools than the guy who has a significant tool or two. Mm-hmm. Compared to Dwight Smith, as a pure baseball player, I think you could make a pretty solid argument that Dwight Smith may be a better all-around baseball player than Eric Stamets. Oh, in, yeah. Indian shortstop. Oh, yeah. No Eric doubt. Stamets, though, is a guy who fits much more in a Rule 5 draft because a team picking Eric Stamets can say, look, we know what he can't do. You're never going to want Eric Stamets hitting in a crucial situation. You're really not ever going to be thrilled, probably, anytime Eric Stamets is at the plate. Right. But what Eric Stamets does, unlike most everyone that you can find in the Rule 5 draft, is, is this is a guy who has upper-level minor league time, double-A, I think even a little bit of triple-A time, who can really play shortstop. Can really? Play, and not just play it. Like, we're not talking a 50. Exactly. This is a guy who has a chance to make an impact defensively. And I really think he's a player who benefits JJ just from the current environment, the data environment, the analytical environment of the game today. Where I think there's a little bit more value placed on an Eric Stamos today than there was ten years ago. The key thing about it is, is he only fits in certain situations. 
He fits a roster. He, and funny thing is, is, he right now, being an Indian, is in the worst possible situation for Eric Stamos. There's a good reason why he wasn't protected. Right. They have no reason to protect him. Because if you look at it and you're the Indians, you say, there is no current scenario with Francisco Lindor healthy where we would ever want to have Eric Stamos on a roster. Because oh. you don't need a backup defensive infield shortstop with oh. Francisco Lindor. I'm convinced that, um, especially when you have Jose Ramirez around, yeah. you have, yeah. There's, um, I'm convinced that we would not have been having this discussion 12 years ago when you first started, and uh, this guy was coming off a 500 OPS in Akron. I mean, that was only his last 33 games. But he went, what, he had a 620? What was his? 666 in Arkansas. It's a 654 and that's OPS it, and that's for his career. repeating double A. Correct. This is not like the first tie at double A. This is repeating double A. It's 257, 311, 343 for the career for Eric Stamos. But I'm with you. I think he's actually one of the better p- job guys to get picked. And a, per, a team that he would make sense for is his old team, the Angels. I mean, obviously they have Anderson Simmons. But last year they carried Tyler Feather, Taylor Featherston rule five all pick. year. Rule 5 pick. And not nearly the defensive shortstop that now, Stamets is. The thing is. that was disappointing for them is his Featherston. I, if I'm hit. the Angels, what you really hoped with Featherston last year is that he was going to provide solid enough second base play and going to hit. And he yeah. didn't hit. Eric Stamets, you have no expectations of the hit. But Eric Stamets, uh, again, I, I've said this to a couple of people. Eric, you, the Mets, understandably, you do not plan for one of your two shortstops getting hurt in the postseason. But, man, if you're the Mets... I know they brought up Matt Reynolds, and they did not feel comfortable playing him. Right. If you had Eric Stamets, and he is the backup that you had on your, your bench, you would feel comfortable bringing him in in the late innings to improve your infield. You'd defense. feel comfortable having the ball hit to him. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If you had to put in Matt Reynolds, you know that the ball been hit to him. And I like Matt Reynolds, but the ball been hit to him. You know that Matt Reynolds' t- you know, bat is what's carrying you him. You know Terry Collins' heart would have been in his throat. But that's not the case with Stamets. And that's, so that's what makes him, I think, a good commodity And again, commodity this is what it comes back to, though, is, is that the majority of guys who provide value in the Rule 5 is because they can fit a very solid role. Like we I see think that T.J. You, Rivera is that kind of guy. I think if he were to get picked in the right situation, Jacob Wilson would be that kind of guy from the Cardinals. The surprising thing to me is the Cardinals didn't protect him when you think about the fact that whether it's Matt Adams or Brandon Moss at first base for them, Matt Carpenter, Colton Wong, those are all left-handed bats. So I thought Jacob Wilson fit very well as a, those are the three positions he's played in the minor leagues, first, second, and third, as a right-handed complement of those guys. Clearly he didn't hit enough for their taste to protect him in AAA. Low in that, average, high power is what he right. was last year. So in that kind of situation, I think with Wilson, honestly, it must have been the defense. Because yeah. I mean, he hits for enough power. He led their organization but at home runs. we've good reports on this, like, that he is at second. Now, you get, right. he's not a shortstop. Right, but they, they have Peralta at shortstop. They don't have much prospect <laughs> depth at a, shortstop. Maybe they need Eric Stamets to be the backup, the, the caddy. <laughs> yeah. to, um, but, no, I, I do think, again, you can look at it, and there are positions that are tough. Like, I listed some backup potential backup catchers, and that's really what you're talking. Yeah. But catcher is a very tough position for a Rule 5 pick for a guy to stick. Because you think about it again, roster construction. The only way you stick at catcher effectively is you are good enough to be the backup. Right. And Not you're a third catcher. You either have to be... Did you list our guy? You did list our guy. Okay, I was afraid you hadn't listed Taylor Davis. I thought Taylor Davis, JJ, that's a stealthy Rule 5 pick. Because this is a guy who's a veteran, non-drafted free agent, so easy to root for. 
clearly thinks the game. You talk to him extensively. I, I, I enjoy talking to him. Yeah, and you can just tell he has a... If this guy's a future manager, wouldn't shock anybody. Yeah. Uh, Solid was, defensive tool. Has a track record where teens have probably seen him since high school because he was Jack Armstrong's high school catcher. As I, as I, 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 Not the I senior, Jack Armstrong kid, Jr. I slightly kid, but yeah. he was the la- about joke. the last guy to ever see Jack Armstrong throw a pitch. Him and Kirk Casale, probably the last two guys that caught Jack Armstrong. Um... I was gonna say, and Kirk Casale pretty much almost only caught him in scrimmages. In one year, now he one he had one year at Vanderbilt, 2010, that he pitched a decent amount. But Taylor Davis, so he's caught, and he really hit this year. He had a 444, was, yeah, three three oh nine, three sixty one, three forty four slash line. Easily the best batting line he's ever had in his career. Right. Also, easily about the first time that he actually got to hit a little bit. Yeah, exactly. He's played a little catcher, second, third, first base. Uh, to me, this is a guy I would research the hell out of for a club. But, again, with all these catchers, Roberto Pena is the guy also stands out because... If you just look at the file, you know who stood out to J.J. It's the one, the guys who got, like, more than two sentences. Balvino. Balvino got, like, a, a, a book. He got a book. It's, it's Balvino Femmeo. I love Balvino it, it would peg the whole beater, but we basically... I mean, for, like, eight years now, whenever his name is spoken, we I won't say it as loud as I can, but Balvino Femmeo at the top of our lungs. This um, is going back to when he signed as a 16-year-old. Yeah, like in 2000. What eight yeah. of the Blue Jays? So Balbino has long history in Baseball America uh, offices for our, uh, I suppose, a politically incorrect way of savoring his name. It's a wonderful. This is name. one of the greatest names. But he's also one of the best prospects here. He is the rare person you pointed out. He's the rare prospect who's accomplished offensively at Double A or above. Right now, if he, you want, he's a limited fit. So can he fit on a 25-man roster today with limited benches? It's got to be an AL team. Got to be an American League team where you're looking for some right-handed thump. But right situation, right team, maybe. Maybe he works. Now, as always, if you want, especially nowadays with what we see with bullpens now, the thing, the, the value in the Rule 5 draft, I don't know if it's value, but if you like hard-throwing, a little bit wild relievers, there are a thousand names for you. And JJ, to me, the most likely player to get picked out of all these guys to me was Alberto Torada. I know he's wild, and I know he doesn't throw strikes. Yeah, but that but guy's he, electric. He also had the greatest stat line, again, that you will see in a long, long time. Where after he joined the Phillies, he had a, what, 0. .56? .56 ERA. .56 ERA. But. But there's a little bit of a, there's a qualifier to this. Oh, 0.56 ERA. That's really good. He did walk more than 10 batters per nine innings over that stretch. Yeah, 18 walks, 16 strikeouts in 16 innings. Um, And, you know, uh, it's 5.67 walks per nine for his career. So I understand why the Phillies didn't protect him. I understand why they didn't. They made some some real – this is Matt Klintak's first thing he's done, really, as general manager. And they made they took some calculated games. Correct. And this, so this is a you know this is the first thing he's done with his stamp on. I'm sure that 40 man roster construction was <laughs> not high on Andy McPhail's to do list as right. president of baseball operations. Hey Matt, here you go, knock yourself out. So what did he do? He left a few guys unprotected. Toronto and Carlos Tochi. That's right. These Carlos are, Tochi, top number ten, I think, on our Phillies list. I think so. And and granted, Ice Bear loves Carlos Tochi. Ice Bear being Josh Norris. Ice Bear has long loved Carlos Tochi. But they protected Jimmy Cordero, Edubre Ramos, Roman Quinn. You know, uh, and I followed Cordero's, Cordero's similar to Toronto. And the funny thing is, is 
I follow though, especially why you would protect, say, like Quinn versus yeah, because Tochi. if you Quinn versus Tochi again, we were talking about Roman Quinn is the kind of guy who, if you leave him, he is the Delino de Shields type. You go Delino de Shields or Herrera, their yeah. expectations, yep. but Roman Quinn is a guy who does enough things like. He'll pinch run for us. He'll play defense for us. There's a little bit of versatility there. Hey, Maybe he is. If you were to rule five Roman Quinn, the first thing you'd do is say, hey, remember that shortstop you used to play before J.P. Crawford was around? Get that glove back. Right. Not you know, going to play it a lot, but we but want you to be ready for We want it to be it. an option, exactly. And he's a Terrence Gore-style runner. In fact, he used to race Terrence Gore in the showcase. Told me he lost Terrence Gore. Closing that's speed not, of Terrence Gore. What not, a shock. That's, that's, not, that's nothing but to be But he challenged him. He led Terrence Gore at the halfway point. That being said... Compare that to Carlos Tochi, and Carlos Tochi can play a solid center field for you. And and if and you're grading them out, I I like Car- Carlos Tochi might have a higher ceiling than Roman Quinn. That being said, if you're making putting together a roster and you say we want you to carry this guy, yep. your big league manager can rightfully ask, what will he do for me? How and is he going to help me win is, major league games in 2016? And the answer is, is he'll play yeah. a pretty good center field for you. That's about it. Can he run? Eh, he's okay. Can he hit? No, we really can't project that he'll be able to hit right now. Does he have any power? Oh, no, no, no. He does not he have any He weighs about 120 pounds. Right. You put that together and you say, it's really hard to see how a guy like that sticks for a full season. Because remember, you know, I know this is the hardcore BA listeners, but for the one of you out there who may not be, you know, it's okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you have to be carried on the big league roster the full year if you're picked in the Rule 5 draft. Carlos Tochi is a guy who it's harder to say how do you carry him the full year? JJ, if you were driving to your parents' house in undisclosed state this year for Thanksgiving, how would you have explained the Rule 5 draft to your kids in the back seat? Oh, yeah, if yeah. they were listening to this podcast, oh. <laughs> try imagining uh, explaining them to your girls. Oh, that would be... Uh, um, uh, I don't think I can explain to Alex, so he's 11 and, and loves likes baseball. That's my little, you know, this is the little history lesson. Here's what I love about the Rule 5 draft. Baseball Part inertia. One. Yes, I love many things about the real five draft. But I'll just give this tidbit because I think this is something that a lot of people even in the game do not realize. The rule five draft, inertia in baseball is an incredibly powerful thing. Mm-hmm. The rule five draft exists. And by the way, it's now the rule five draft. It used to just be the draft because right. the rule five draft precedes the amateur draft by, by 60 decades. Years. Yeah. The Rule 5 draft was created because if you go back to, and I'm talking the beginning, the dawn of the modern age of baseball. And by modern, I mean 1903. Right, now JJ's talking about like... We're having a World Series now. Exactly. Okay, we're not going to... American League, I mean Western League, we're not going to war with you. Ban Johnson, we're going to treat you as equals. Okay, since we're going to do this, let's, let's codify this. That's the and origins of the, the Rule 5. The origins of this is, is that what you did back then, ro- player movement was very difficult. There were no far- farm systems, not only did not exist, they were illegal. You so could you, not, the, yeah. the, 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 the superbas could not say, <laughs> the spiders, the brown, you know, the, the, they could not say that, uh, they couldn't say, hey, we're going to stash this guy and, you know, we'll have him on our farm team in Class D, because Class D didn't exactly. exist back then. What it was at the time was if you wanted a player and he was a really good player in Augusta or wherever, you would go and you would purchase his contract. And you would go to the owner and the owner might say, And the owner might say, I want to win the Carolina League this year. You step off. Right. And so what it did was is that they put in a system where at the end of the year, 
Each team could only protect so many guys. And then the levels above him. And it didn't wasn't just the big league club could take right. him. It would be the big league club can take him from any level. That's right. And then the you know the next level, which I think at the time was class A, yes. could take from class B and That's below. That's what it was. It was class class D was basically class A today. Right. And so what it was is and you they codified the amount. Here's how much you have to pay. And at that point, you know, they were on your roster, they were yours. And that's how this started. And the amazing and the, thing is that the, the $50,000 price for the current, you pay a team $50,000, if you turn them, you get $25,000 back. It, that is talking about a free player in a $9.5 billion because industry. Because that has not changed in decades. Decades. I mean, I can't, but, I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't done that research. But in your research, you haven't stumbled over when that price started, did you? Um, I, I want to like, say it's at least 35 years old. I feel like it's like gone back to the 60s. You talk for a second, and I'm going to have somewhat of an answer because I can remember. I have, I have, I have research on this. I, keep I, can't, I, I can keep talking. Uh, I do like Alberto Torado, just going back to the actual players. Of, uh, but one of the things I liked about the preview, JJ, is that you put these players into genres and basically looking into the recent history of the genres of players who could get picked. One of the more interesting genres this year, the more, I would say of the talent, there's the hard-throwing pitchers, but the toolsy outfielders. I, I'm always curious why more guys like Jabari Blash don't he's get drafted. But see, to me, I think he's got to get picked this year. The guy hit 32 home runs in the minor leagues this year. And minor league, just power is so hard to find. So i got to imagine that some team is going to give Jabari Blash a chance. And yeah, this guy's been written about. We've written about him since uh, freshman year, Miami Day JC. He's still only 26 years old. He has tools. He has. He, he, he's not just a, he's not a slug. He's not just a power guy. He's been a prospect before. But 32 home runs this year. Um, and only 123 strikeouts, I say only, in the current parlance. I know he's not as athletic as he was previously, but to me, this is a guy who I have to imagine is going to attract... The, the, I have to imagine a lot of teams are studying him over the Thanksgiving Day holiday where Matt Clintack has given his young Matt Clintack, whoever his analytics core is, uh, assignments over Thanksgiving. And one of them is go granular on Jabari Blash. And what are the chances that he can really help our big league team? Because I look at the fact that in Double A he went 13 for 29 against left-handed pitchers, and against left-handers in Triple A, yeah, he slugged 610, but he also struck out 18 times, 59 at bats. I really want to know what kind of left-handers did he hit, and who did he struggle against, and and really see can this guy at the very least be a platoon, cheap platoon bat for us? I think he has a chance to help a big league team. By the way, the answer to your question, I yes. can't give you the exact answer, but. It was still $25,000 in 1978. Okay. 79? 78. So I believe it changed somewhere in the 80s. It changed during the Baseball America era. Okay. But it was early in the Baseball America era. Where that it, it doubled, doubled from 25 doubled, to 50. You know, it doubled from uh, 25 to 50. If you go back to 1971, back then, uh, by the way, you know, I love it. Only eight players taken the draft in 1971, <laughs> you know, because. The new rule made it, uh, you know, it basically, the thing I love is if you go way back, you could, the Rule 5 draft didn't happen just at that moment. Like, it, it, it spanned another day. I mean, it was like you could come back and say, no, we're going to take this guy too. I mean, it was bizarre. But uh, That is bizarre. You know. That's really bizarre. Like, the, you would find newspaper accounts. It's like, from what we know up to now, you know, this is how many guys have been taken. But uh, So, the, so the, the, they still, there are still people who want the Rule 5 draft to be a bigger deal? I can promise you it'll never be a bigger deal. Don't they stream it now on MLB.com? Yeah. But they don't put it on MLB Network, right? 
it would be interesting to have it on LLB Network. You would definitely have to have either us or Callis or Mayo on the broadcast to make sense of some of the players. But I will say one of I'll my say past... this, if you got the BA Rule 5 preview, though, you can fake it pretty well because we're going to have 75 names. The last year, This is true. Last year, there were very few guys taken in the Major League portion. I will say this. And the Phillies will be picking first, just as they will in the Rule 4 draft come June. Right. And by the way, as we remind you, that is a, that is a numeral, not a Roman numeral. Yes, that's right. Uh, this you know, is by the way, I do love that even in 1979, with the draft still existing, it's just called the Major League Draft. Hmm. Which, if you want to clarify... You know, which is not, you know, then they have the minor league draft. I mean, it was like, it's not the amateur draft back then. It was the major league draft and the minor league draft is what they called it, not the Rule 5 draft. Their Even lack like, of precision, precision got them into trouble later, but not, yes. not yet. Yes. The trouble was, was on the horizon. Um, but I do think, though, that, yeah, there is, the reality of it is, is that teams, this is something, the Rule 5 draft is good news for players. Yeah. It's not something that teams have really any interest in making bigger and better. Because for teams, no matter what team you are, you want to believe that your organization does a very good job of developing your own talent. So why would you want to have more uh, more of a scenario where talent from your team can be stolen by someone else? You would not. <laughs> Even if you're the Angels, who are more likely to be able to steal talent in this than give talent away, you still think, no, you know, we want to be restrictive on this. That's why in the CBA last time, you know, when you go back, that's how we got a year added to this, which is is that if you are Major League Baseball players, that's the concession you can give. Right. <coughs> but at the same time, if you're Major League teams, you want to protect these guys. Yeah, And absolutely. you have scenarios right now. Like the Astros are a team that's probably going to – they lost three guys last year. Two of them they lost completely, including Delano DeShields. Yeah, you, you definitely anticipated my <coughs> question, J.J., which is – that there are certain teams that this hits harder. And as we're editing the prospect handbook and compiling it right now, you see some bad farm systems out there. And then you see there are a select few that are really deep. Uh, we just finished National League West. Boy, the Rockies are deep. You know, They're really deep. They're really deep. They would have been deep without trading Tulowitzki. Now they're really deep because they got good prospects from the, uh, from the Blue Jays. Um, and you do the Dodgers it. are more top-heavy than deep. They have some depth. Um, and they keep adding to it. How many Cubans are out there right now? Dodgers might sign them all. Which the, the interesting thing with this also is, is it because you can also have a deep system, and the Rule Five Draft doesn't. The, the Braves have a deep system. The right. Rule Five Draft means nothing to them right now, as far as losing guys almost, because right. there's almost no one in the Braves' depth who's yet Rule Five eligible. Right. All their almost all their guys are still. I mean, even they're like guys who they've had for a while. Lucas Sims, you know, yeah, Jason no, Hirsch, don't guys protect. That, you know. They, you, you've, you've started. You've touched on three different tangents I want to touch on, and, but now I'm going to be like a Texas governor or okay. southerner and only remember two. Um, so I wanted to touch on the pot suspensions in the fall league mm-hmm. and what your feelings are about the minor league length of suspensions for minor league players, especially for marijuana, which I guess get, every time this happens I get complaints in my Twitter. So I was going to see if you wanted to discuss yeah, no, no, that at all. That, that is interesting to me. It is. And, and the other one, um, I'm already, it's already fading from memory. I must have smoked, smoked too much weed today. So let's just talk about weed. Well, Because, JJ, we do have two states that uh, have legalized marijuana. There are more that have uh, legalized medical marijuana. And, I'm and not, let's I'm be not, honest, if you're in California, we're not in California. If you're in California, from everything I've heard, 
It's legalized for medical marijuana, but if you stub your toe on your way into the office, you qualify probably. So, I, so I, I'm not um, well versed in the culture. Uh, we'll put it that way. But I do. Uh, there, there are places in America where it's legal, mm-hmm. and so there's a shifting landscape here. And it does seem like, from the baseball standpoint, and from the pro- and then the main thing is that major leaguers aren't tested for it. Minor leaguers are. Well, let's let's start with so let's, let's start let's with, start with the fact that. Just understand something if you're listening to this, if you don't realize this. Whatever Major League Baseball, and by Major League Baseball I mean the owners, yeah. whatever the man wants to do to Major League players, if they can't do because there's a very strong union and it all has right. to be collectively bargained, whatever they want to do and they can't do, they're going to do to the minor league players because the minor right. league players pretty much, their system consists of, if they said tomorrow we're going to start testing you know, and held up in court, we're going to start testing for alcohol. And if you show, you know, that you've ever had alcohol, you're going to be suspended. Minor league players, there's literally no recourse they have. Right. It would be very difficult. They have no union. Yeah. They have no union. And pretty much it is a, if you want to do this, you live by our rules. And if you don't, we wish you well going on. And so from that standpoint, I don't like the suspension length. And the more I think about it, JJ, the more I do think it's wrong to suspend right, a we player. We should mention Alex Reyes as Alex public, Reyes and Jacoby Jones, two two players, especially Alex Reyes is one of the best prospects in baseball. He's in the clutch. I mean, he's like in the he's top a, five, right. top ten guys in the whole minor. And he's leagues. out for the first. Now the, the funny thing is, is AFL counts, which Isn't is it, bizarre. That's bizarre. That's so like strange. if you see a suspension coming down the pike, I don't care where he is. It's like you're going to there as a colleague. Thirty games from your suspension, so Reyes will not have to play a suffer a full fifty. Nor will Jacoby Jones. Right, but it's still a speed bump, and for a pitcher, it's even less punitive because he can go in extended extended spring. He can throw simulated games. It keeps his innings total down. He might, it might even make it more likely that he's effective in the major leagues in 2016. And, and let's be honest. Let's rewind this. We've had times before that the Cardinals did not do this. But Jeremy Jeffress. Jonathan Singleton. Jonathan oh, yeah. Singleton got added to the 40-man roster. The year he was going to have to be added to the 40-man roster anyway. Right. But he had already tested You know, he had already tested before. And so the Astros, and I wise on their part, said, well, if we're going to add him, yes, put him on the in, 40-man now. You know, at the deadline... Let's add him to the 40-man now, and we don't have to worry about him getting you know, popped again before we... Now, those two players are both... That happened with both Jeffers and Singleton. You know, J.J., neither of those players ever turned out as good as we thought they'd be. So does that make you worry? Does no, this suspension he, make you well, worry Jeffress, about Alex but, but Jeffers, though, Jeffers is concerned. And he did still have a little smidgen to last year, not this past year, but two years ago with the Brewers, where he was pretty good as a reliever. Right. Returning back to his home club. Right. But... Um, but Jeffers always was a guy. I mean, Jeffers fits very much. He's a better version of a lot of these guys we just talk about who are Rule Five eligible. He threw a hundred when that was really rare. He, I mean, threw he was good this when year. It was exceptionally rare. Through seventy-two games in the big leagues, this was, this was his good best, his best season as a professional really this year. So it took him a little while, but he threw a hundred back when a hundred was un, very unusual. Yeah. But he was always very wild, and so there was always a risk there, which is is will he throw enough strikes? Singleton, I I, I, I don't I I'll also say. You. I, I, Singleton, I still don't know. He was terrible, I admit, at the big league level. He's been very good in the minors at times. And we are early enough in his career that we do not know with him. He was a certainly a um, 
stalwart for the AAA Fresno team that won the AAA championship. But you know, he I, may need a change of. I mean, it would be a second change of address because he was originally a Philly. But he may need a change of address because it does seem like it's going to be hard for him to find those abs. He's twenty four years old now, so he's, he's not, not too old. Yeah. But it was a two fifty four, three fifty nine, five oh five year in the PCL, minor league first baseman. Don't generally get a lot of trade. Uh, no. Trade. Uh, that, that's actually dad, which is Dan why Vogelbach. I was, that's yeah. right. Which is why would, which could bring us to Dan Vogelbach. But in the major leagues, Jonathan Singleton has 357 at-bats now and a 621 ops. And he has 151 strikeouts and those 357 at-bats. I'm not sure. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I wrote that it was a small speed bump for Alex Reyes. I do think 50 games is too punitive. I, I, I would not classify I, mar- marijuana the same way I would classify other drugs of abuse. If, if for you me said it's it was a meth suspension, I'm a, I'm, it's, a, it's an entirely different... Meth almost feels like... And I guess what I would say is that for drugs of abuse, I guess I really feel like it should be... There's something punitive, but I know there is a big piece already that is more uh, rehabilitation. If this is the punitive part, is a little too big. I guess is what I would say. But if you're I making definitely the feel argument, like... if you're making the counter argument, the counter argument would be this, which is is that you you get suspended on your second positive test. And it's a hundred, right? Oh okay, yeah, that's 50. right. You're right. You're right. First is just treatment. If you have a concern <clears throat> here, the concern probably could be is that what you are saying as a player is you're right. Is that I am not. And I'm not even saying this is a complete criticism, but that is saying as a player, you are not so singly focused on your goal Correct. of reaching the big leagues I that you're willing to critique. put it at risk. The same way, there's a lot of other things. The same way that another guy, and it doesn't get, you know, but uh, the same way that there are many, many players who fall short and the reality of it is is that they basically were alcoholics. Right. And that's... You know, you go down that road, and actually, that's probably in many ways much in the baseball culture, much more a much more dangerous path Absolutely. than smoking pot. I, I think it's a I, I'm, and probably more prevalent and much more. I would say pot. more prevalent too. Yes, but you, but what you're saying is is that there are players who have that single-minded focus that I'm going to do whatever I need to do to be the best big leaguer out there, and this is a minor piece of information. Minor, but a minor piece of information when you are saying, I know if I test positive for this again, I'm going to miss effectively a third of a season. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm, I'm willing to run that risk. That is a problem, at least in a minor way, because there are other guys out there who maybe they would smoke pot, they test positive, and they know. But until I get on the 40 man and I don't have to worry about this anymore. I am not going to do something that slows me down because the difference between where I am now and where I want to be is too important. You really do want players who are focused like a laser on getting to the big leagues. And for someone like, especially players in the fall league, that's supposed to be a sign that the team values you and you are on the cusp. You could go from the fall league to the big leagues very quickly. Mm-hmm. So for two guys like Jacoby Jones and Alex Reyes to have their second failure there, but again, it is a little bit. I mean, it doesn't but make it you, is a you don't, speed bump. It is a. It is right. not the same thing. I, again, it's not the same thing as a PED suspension. Right. And you know what? I mean, it's funny. I was just doing the Giants, and there are PED suspensions where you go, "Okay, I'm not excusing it." But Alberto Mejia this year was hit for a 50 game suspension for a stimulant which is largely tied to weight loss drugs. Mm-hmm. 
I just want to make I, the point that this was not the fat guy making fat jokes. Right. No, that didn't happen this time. You weren't even making a joke, but... But Alberto Mejia, if you told me that he used a weight loss drug, that's not a shot. If you talk to scouts, they say, he's going to have to watch his body. He's li- he's more than his listed 190. Let's put it that way. Significantly more than his listed official weight of 190. We, we're, I'll put it, enough more that when I was doing the bio for him, it's was like, I cannot in good conscience type 190 on right. his bio line. I just can't. That was one tangent I wanted to get to. I think we agree on that, but I think you made a great point. It really does tell you more. It's a makeup thing, and if a player, it, it could be indicative yeah, again, of other and things. And there are great players and a lot of them who are not singly it. focused. That's right. Jeff Kent is always the great example, but Jeff Kent, <clears throat> Jeff Kent, there was never a day of Jeff Kent's life where he said, right. baseball is everything. I am focused to, to make sure my baseball career. He was great at it, yeah. and he always said, I'm great at it. I'm good at this. I'm, right. I get paid really well. I'll keep doing this. But you're not going to see me. Work in the minors as a hitting instructor when this is over. And there, there are other guys like Travis Lee who had all the talent in the world and basically didn't love the game and, as a result, never got the most mm-hmm. out of their talent. That's just one one small example, um, one that has always stuck out in my BA career. Um, the other tangent, real quick, and we'll, we have two questions from Braves fans I want to get to on the Twitter. Um, Dan Vogelbach, would you have protected Dan Vogelbach? Do you think he would have stuck as basically a D- He is a younger, left-handed Balbino Fuenmayor. No, and he's younger, but not crazy younger because Dalbino's so career was so early. Is Dalbino twenty five? Yeah, Vogelbach's like twenty one. Yeah, he's younger, but uh, I would say he's. The I think there was a thirty percent shot that he may have stuck somewhere. That'd be about what I'd put it as, because I could see a. It, you would have to be again. It would have to be the perfect combo. It'd be an AL team who doesn't expect to do a whole lot this year. So they're willing to live with a less lesser production. Mm-hmm. They're not saying you've got to be. Uh, we don't need to see a one thirty OPS plus from you this year. Right. But if you had those that combination, I could see a team saying, "He's twenty one. Is he probably a DH? Yeah. You know, could he play ten games for us at first? Yeah. I guess he's actually twenty two, and he'll actually be twenty three in December. So, so he's younger about being a, but not you know. As, yeah. But um, but. You would say then he's going to walk. We think there's still the power is coming and should come even more. Mm-hmm. He always like a team like a, a team like a Baltimore. If they lose Chris Davis, you could see where they might have at bats between first base and DH. Again, I don't know how big been they a, expect to be. It would have been a a modest risk. I think he'd be a reach because again, if you're the Cubs, let's let's map this out further though. If you're the Cubs, as we said, a guy like Dan Vogelbach, nothing against him. That type of player does not have trade value until they mash at the big league level. Correct. Ryan Howard rewinded 10 years ago. The Phillies would have gladly packaged, they had Jim Tomei, and they would have packaged Ryan Howard in a deal that brought back significant talent back. And Ryan Howard had 46 home runs that year in the minor leagues? He had absolutely mashed as much as you could mash in the minors, but he was blocked or somewhat seemed blocked. And no one was willing to trade for that because, like, no, prove it at the big league level. Dan was, Vogelbach, barring it was, 40, any, it was 46 home runs between Double A AA and Triple A. Yes. By the way, it wasn't like in it wasn't like in Lakewood. No. As long as Anthony Rizzo is healthy, Dan Vogelbach is not playing for the big league club. This and I can't even correct. say if Dan Vogelbach, I can't even say if Anthony Rizzo got hurt, it'd probably be. And now our first baseman's Kyle Schwarber. I mean, right. you know, or Kyle, or Chris Bryant, and right. we're going to play Javi Baez at third right. base. There's a lot of other options right. they have. So what I'm saying is. is I don't know the scenario. You can if you're the Cubs hope that he's going to have 
a monster year at double A, triple A that gives him a little more value. But I still, if you look, if you map this out down the road, at some point, the Cubs are either going to be trading him in a modest deal, yeah, or at some point they're going to DFA him because they need the roster spot. It's hard for me to envision a scenario where Dan Vogelbach gets a chance in Chicago, really hits, and then has value. The only way that seems to happen is if Anthony Rizzo gets hurt and Vogelbach is in the midst of a breakout triple-A season. But he's not a good enough defensive player. I think they would do that. So that's where I was just... Cubs fans seemed to expect that he was going to get protected. I was shocked that he was protected. And I'll tell you, Michael Heesh, left-hander, as big as 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 heavy as Vogelbach, but six inches taller... Um, is on our list for a reason because he's a lefty with arm strength and a big body. Corey and Black's also on that list, also who a guy who had a disappointing, very frustrating right. year, but electric stuff at times, and has had some real success in the minor leagues in the past. So Just didn't have it this year, right? Guys have seen him good, so I was a little bit surprised. Um, by Again, some they of the also have Jeffrey choices. Baez left off, who Jeffrey Baez I don't see any way he sticks, but is an interesting guy, a solid Top thirty prospect, guy, but he. A guy who played in A ball this year, and it's really hard to envision any scenario where he would be enough to stick on a roster right now. JJ, we should uh, we should get going. But here's uh, our two but, questions. But here's our two questions. One of them is from a prospect blogger for the Phillies, Matt Winkleman. Uh, and the way he phrased it is interesting. I think he's trying to be sarcastic. How has the existence of teams like the Braves changed how you look at the odds of players sticking on rosters? Which I mean, I know what he's saying. Like the existence of teams that are, uh, frankly, tanking. I know John Coppolelis says they're not tanking. I mean, and you know what? They're not tanking in the way, if you're going to define tanking, there's no one in pro sports who has mastered the art of a tank, like the Philadelphia 76ers, who are an embarrassment right. to professional sports. Right. But So they're not tanking to that level. No, no, and I would say, I would say that, like, I, the funny thing is, is, I don't think actually you could argue, I know you could argue that they're trading away every veteran who's not bolted down, but at this moment... You still, with the Braves, have a roster where you go around the, the diamond and you go, okay, I know who's going to be there, I know who's going to be there, I know who's going to be there, I know who's going to be there. This is not a roster. They're actually are crazy enough to say there aren't many roster spots there. The I know cra- the question he's trying to ask. I know the crazy thing is that the, um, is that the Philadelphia 76ers have a 15-man NBA roster, 12 who are active, I think, any night, and I believe they have four non-drafted free agents on that roster. Um, now, they only have a two-week right. draft, I mean, two-round draft, but still. Um, J.T. Hornbuckle, um, I think I'm reading that Twitter question right, he asked a related question, which is, if my Braves are willing to tank this year, could they tolerate holding Wilmer Becerra, who was number 10 on the Mets' uh, top prospect list, even while holding Danny Winkler from 2015? So, I'm you. That is a, that is a, if you're talking on a pure talent standpoint, like, best payoff for carrying a guy who you expect to get no payoff from this year? Becerra's up. He's close to the top. Becerra's got to be one of the top guys on the list. That being said, I mean, you said it. If you carry Wilmer Becerra on your roster this year, I don't know. I mean, your expectations for that is just that he gets 100 at-bats this year. So the Braves lineup is basically Freeman. You got Hector Oliveira somewhere. You got Eric Ibar, shortstop. Who's second base for the Braves? Jace Peterson. Oh, yeah. Jace Peterson. He's still cheap. Who replaces Cameron Maben in center field? Is it Malik Smith or is Malik it Michael Smith, Bourne? Probably. Bourne, you know, a little bit. Probably Malik Smith, at least for the majority of the year. Nick they Swisher still got be there somewhere. They've got Swisher. They've got Adonis Diaz. Uh, Garcia. 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 They've got Adonis Garcia. They've got, they didn't, they, you know, they, a catcher. They've got Bethcourt and they also... Uh, 
uh, re-signed AJ. Pretty- That's right. So yeah, now they do. It, it's going to be hard to get roster spots. So this, I don't see how they can pull. I mean, again, the other all-time baseball tank really is the the Tigers back in 20, 2003, where they knew they were going to be bad. They didn't know they were going to be forty three and one nineteen. Chris back. Shelton, but they had three Rule Five draft picks on that team. JJ it was Will Ledesma, Chris Shelton, and then the other guy. It's you. It's really you. <laughs> the third tenor. Um, I wish I could remember who their third Rule Five draft pick was that year. I was um, just looking at that draft. Because you love Chris Shelton. But it's, it really but, is. It was 2004, I guess it was, when they drafted the, all three of those guys. But it, Shelton, it, Shelton's at a three. Yeah, this, uh, maybe, he must, maybe he was hurt that year. I'm looking, maybe I'm looking at the wrong year. He, that's when they drafted him. They didn't have three. They had three Rule 5 picks the next year. Yeah, it's 13, 2003 Rule 5 for the 2004 season. That's what I'm, I'm conflating. That wasn't, but was the so year So the 2004 Tiger. So yeah. we, I thought they were taking even worse. But in 2004, they went from 43 wins in 2003 to 72 wins the next year. And Alan Trimble, this should almost get him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the extra push was that he had to manage a team that had three Rule 5 draft picks. Was the third one Marcus Thames, Thames or Craig Monroe or something like that? Might have been Craig Scroll down, Monroe. I think it might be a pitcher. Well, I know they had the And one by the way, they were carrying Bonderman, who had jumped, just jumped from... Uh, uh, Bonderman had just jumped from... From A-ball. From A-ball, too. I have to go back and look at the Rule 5 draft. The, but the I point, have that Rule 5 of draft. Of course you do. Talking. Of course you do. Um, but the point is, I, I agree with you, JJ, that the, I don't know that the Braves have uh, too many roster spots. So maybe they'll carry one. Maybe they'll carry two. It seems unlikely, JJ, they would carry three Rule 5 draft picks like those Tigers did that year. So it's it's mm. Ledesma, it's Chris Shelton. Um, I, th- I feel like it was either Craig Monroe or uh, Nuke Bumate? Logan. They, they drafted Bumate. No, he's on there. B U M A T A Y, right? Yep. They must have traded for somebody else. They traded for someone else in spring training, clearly, because the other players are from that draft. Go this ahead. is exciting, exciting podcasting here. But Chris Shelton, Rich Thompson, Alex Zumwalt, Frank Brooks, Jeff Bennett, Jose Alex Zumwalt, who's pro scouting for the Royals now, right? Dude, that was part of the advanced scout team that uh, helped to lead them to the Ghetto Ring. From Kernersville, Glen High, over in Winston Salem. David Maddox, Chris Mabius, Matt White, Jason Zizinski, Andy Fox, Tally Hayes. Jason Grilly, Hector Luna, Lenny DiNardo, Willie Tavares, Mike Bumate, Luis Gonzalez, Culture Bean, and Lino Urdaneta. I think it's Lino Urdaneta. Yep, it's Lino Urdaneta. Um, the last pick of the Rule 5. Well, he, he barely was there. Um, and they didn't get a whole lot of giant payoff out of carrying those three guys. Correct. Chris Shelton was there with them for five years. Will Ledesma kind of like bounced around, bounced around, bounced around. But uh, Lino played in all of one game for them that year um, uh, as a pitcher with an infinity ERA. So they didn't get a lot of bang for their buck that year. But uh, the the Rule 5 draft, it's a lot of fun. Um, We had a lot of fun with the preview. People seem to enjoy the 40-man ads, JJ. And and do look forward to our, uh, you know, our we'll have a... Some sort of Rule 5 preview from and wrap-up from the winter meetings, I'm sure, too. Absolutely, and hopefully we'll make time next week to, tr- to podcast on uh, top 10 prospect lists. But uh, things, have gotten th- 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 things have jumped up a notch, busy-wise, and uh, part of the reason is uh, Josh Leventhal's departure. So we once again say thank you to Josh for all he's done. Uh, make sure to drop him a shout at, uh, at jlev44 on, 
I believe Twitter. that is a uh, uh, Josh Riggins. Love. It's at Josh Love 44. 44, which I believe is a Riggins. Uh, it is. You guys. And your, by Riggins, we do not mean Friday Night Lights, but actually John Riggins. You guys with your uh, with your fullback numbers. Um, I suppose if I were to have a fullback number, I don't remember what Mike Allstott's number was. Yes, JJ Coop 36. Mine is also that's that's because of Bussy drilled with us. <laughs> I love that you call him Bussy. What number did Mike Allstott wear? Uh, 40. Well, he uh, he was my favorite fullback because he. Uh, actually, my all-time favorite probably is not a Steeler. My all-time favorite was William Andrews, 31, for the Grits Blitz Falcons in 1980. Uh, I'll be 34 for Earl Campbell, who was so fun to watch. He, he was, was. I agree. He was the, uh, oh, uh, what was the name of our rugby player we were watching this week? <laughs> Forget that Jonah guy. Jonah Lomu. He was the Jonah Lomu <laughs> of, uh, of 1970s football. He was. If Jonah Lomu had only done Skull commercials uh, <laughs> back in the day, the, the synergy would be complete. We hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody, and we'll be back around the winter meetings. Uh, For JJ, I'm John. We'll see you next time on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.